Welcome back to Minding Our Businesses, where CEO and COO sisters share unfiltered conversation about running three companies together and and the the real real life between it all. All right. So today we are talking about inventing a product. Yes, we are. Sleepy tie. This actually, I get this question a lot about how to invent a product. Mm-hmm. Or like the process of inventing a product. Yeah, because like you don't really hear about this often. Where have you ever learned that? I think the show Shark Tank has made things so much more like yeah known to the public. But I don't think like inventions in the past were necessarily something that was so popularly maybe known or talked about. I like honestly love Shark Tank. Shark Tank's a great show. It's great. Taught me a lot. It's very real. I've talked to people from the show before. Like that what is what you see is actually authentic. Like they the people learning about the product actually did not know about the product. I know. And honestly, it's good to see like how cutthroat the sharks are. I know. I love it. Well, I love watching from their perspective Me and too. listening. Um so let's talk about Sleepy Tie. I get a lot of questions all the time like how did you do this? Where did it come from? What was your first step? How did you make the prototype? We're going to talk about it all. Um, so Sleepy Tie is a product that I invented in the pandemic. And, you know, you and I have previously talked about the fact that, like, I kind of created this while meditating. Mm-hmm. Both of the other businesses we run, Parlor and Parlor Brand Studio, were closed. And let's talk about it. I mean, that was a hard time. That was literally awful. It was, we were scared. Honestly, it felt like a movie. It was like, is this like actually happening right now? Yeah, it was. I mean, we had also not, not to underestimate, not to underestimate, not to undermine that we had kind of just opened. I mean, like in 2018, we opened one of the world's largest beauty destinations with a crazy investment. We were definitely getting into our flow yeah. of the space because it, it takes was hard. Time. It, it takes, takes five years. Time, absolutely. To get close to like perfection in a place. hundred percent. And then Parlor Brand Studio, our creative agency, we only opened a year after opening Parlor. So it was only open for one year. Yeah. And so I would say like you and I were sitting at home and we were just manifesting and trying to be strong we tried to have meetings and like keep it alive we tried to keep the and flow we would wake up to the meetings we would all look hideous hideous yeah like no one showered like and we were just like trying to keep the light alive and mm-hmm. it just it was so exhausting it was a, t- a tough time obviously for everyone but I think as a business owner I can truly say my mind really needed to be calm yeah um I was so scared about the unknown I started off like paying salaries and was like, I'll be a good person and keep doing this and like was draining accounts. It was unknown if there was going to be any like governmental support or like any help financially. I was paying rent still, you know, like the business keeps going even without the customers. So it's like, you know, it was piling on. And so for me, I of course turned to meditation in a deeper way than I ever had before. I was really challenging myself to go deep inside my brain. And that's what I was doing during, you know, the whole pandemic. And one of the things that I was also doing is because I had gotten so spoiled from getting blow dries from our salon, I was now blow drying my own hair, which I have very problematic, very textured, very difficult hair. That was the worst part. Actually, (laughs) the worst part of the pandemic was blow drying your own hair. (laughs) (laughs) Not that people were dying of a mass disease. No, that's not what I meant, but... 
I think like, actually my hair did get super healthy during COVID because I had to do it myself. And like, literally I was like practicing new ways. I remember that crimper came out during yep, COVID. Yep. Remember like the S wave Everyone crimper? Everyone was getting it. Yeah. And I got it and I was like, oh my God, I got the S crimper and like trying to do my hair. I don't think it actually looks good though. I looked like Hagrid. I was actually looking at the crimper the other day thinking I might start doing that again. They do it in the salon. It's they really cute. It. Um, well, so anyways, I was blow drying my own hair and deeply meditating. And I think what kept happening to me was I was getting frustrated because at work, I usually could come into parlor and like torture my incredible hairstylist to fix my hair or touch it up. But like in the pandemic, I had to stay in the house, you know? So I would, my problem with my hair is that I would get a blowout or like style my hair and go to sleep. And I would, whether it was like a silk pillowcase or a silk scrunchie or like whatever it was I would ever try my blow dry got destroyed in my sleep overnight every single time it was gross actually like my sweat would just like seep into my roots and my curls would come back gross you know those times where like you have an event or somewhere to go yeah and then you like do the whole like shower routine that takes like two hours and then I would go into the shower with my hair not know how to do it right ruin everything mm-hmm. and then I would have to redo my hair every single time yes but during the pandemic I would try to like try to be pretty well yeah and tr- Joe like, had try to, to work be decently attractive so I would come home and like try to do my hair and like maybe put some chapstick on yeah if you will chapstick yeah and like I would do my hair spend time and like I would spend like two hours doing it because what else are we right. doing literally just try to pass time I would go to sleep and have to do it the next day right well that's exactly where the idea for sleepy tie came into play. Cause you and I obviously have similar hair. I don't know what I do in my sleep. I don't know if I'm like producing more sweat in the night than others, but I am telling you the way I would wake up with my blow dry was at a point where I could also tell I was causing a lot of damage. Cause I don't personally, rat's nest. Ra- my hair would be a rat's nest. And then I would have to like reapply heat to the dry kind of like tangled hair hey hair hey hair yeah, yeah. like just hey hair just to kind of like look decent for the day and I personally like love my curls but I actually find my blowout to be much easier for me to manage mm-hmm. so I kind of I also feel prettier with a blow I, I personally just do too like I like the silkiness um but in like I there are times like when I like my curls but the problem with my curls and you know we'll find a solution for this if I go to bed on my curls they I wake up and they're flat or totally tangled and you have to brush them yeah and then they look look awful so it's like a never-ending cycle but with straighter hair I'm able to go to sleep and then you know with sleepy tie now wake up and not have to do my hair. So it's for me about the ease and like the time savings, but essentially I was sitting there and I'm like, I have a problem. Like I I have a problem I need a solution for. I was deep in my mind, deep in my clarity and meditation. And I was like, let me try to kind of solve my own problem. I was not sitting there just to clarify my first point saying, I want to invent something. I didn't sit down in my meditations chair and say, I'm going to create a revolutionary product, a patent pending product. I'm going to contact my lawyer after this. Everything I did and do is is very organic. That was a happy accident. Oh, definitely. It was 100% a happy accident. And so basically what I did is I ordered a bunch of supplies off Amazon and I t- bought a sewing kit. And I was like, let me order all of these random things and let me see if I could con- put them together and like if I could like you know make something that would help me sleep at night during this short-term pandemic and uh, maybe I would be able to be okay I think we were talking about this before you bought all this stuff from Amazon we were like what could that be like what could it look like and 
your version of it was like unlike anything I've ever heard. Well, fun fact is that the first sleepy tie I ever made by hand is still the sleepy tie we sell today. Mm-hmm. So basically I taught myself how to sew, got all these like arts and crafts supplies and just sat there for days and made this item. And I was like, I didn't even know how to wrap my hair in it. I didn't know how to wrap my hair in it for months, but I was like, maybe if I keep it in this one position and then kind of like put it on top of my head, maybe it won't move. And then maybe my blow dry will last. So made the prototype, used it, and then went to sleep that night and it worked. And then I think I called you the next day and was like, Carly, I think I might've made something. And I think you were like, Rachel, what the fuck are you talking about? Yeah, I don't. You were like, come on. What are you just, we're, we're just make a pizza. Shut up. I love pizza. Me too. It was like pizza Friday at mm-hmm. home. So then I made a bunch and I was like, I, this worked for me. I don't know how to wrap it. But then I sent out, I made about like 12 and I chose a, like 12 different people. And I like some, I drove them to, and then some I mailed them to. I know I brought you one. It was like leopard and pink. I still have it. I know you do. And you like used it that night and what you like found a different way to wrap your hair in it. Yeah. I think I found a different way to wrap it in my hair. I think we were just testing at this point, yeah. but I think to that point we tested it for a while. Well, yeah. And like so many different people tested it. Market testing. And it really worked. Well, yeah. So then I sent it to my friend, Nicole and you, who, two of my you know people, closest people in my life. Nicole's my best friend. You're also my best friend, but, I, but all of us have curly, kinky hair and had the same issue. And you have thicker hair. I have finer hair. Yeah. And it worked for you and worked for me. So we were like, wow. Like, and Nicole has like, I would say in between. Yeah. So we, I sent it to Nicole through the mail. She got it. And wow. well, I don't know. Do I teleported Santa? it. I sent Santa to the give Pelican? Nicole the, uh, <laughs> I sent a Raven to drop <laughs> sleepy die. So anyways, Nicole gets the sleepy tie and we're like FaceTiming and I'm like trying to tell her how to wrap it in her hair, but I'm totally making it up. I'm like, I think I did something. I want you to try it. So I'm like waiting for her reply. First of all, I love her. She's the best friend ever. Like that she actually tried it. My friends always take me seriously. It's like the theme of my life. It's like they're my number one supporters. So Nicole tries it, wakes up the next morning, FaceTimes me and she's like, Rachel, Rachel, Rachel. Rachel. I'm like, what? If you say Rachel, Rachel, I'm like, what is up? She's like, it worked. Yeah. And I'm like, what do you mean? It worked. Like, what are you weird? What are you talking about? You're a weird dude. And then, then, then we kept calling each other every night and every morning and we all kept trying it. And we're like, I'm like, did I just make something that like is cool and matters? I think you honestly did. I think you honestly did. And and so then you did it yourself. I did it myself. We're, we need to stop saying that's the third podcast. We've quoted Julia Fox. Like she's not it. someone I'm like looking to quote. So anyways, the sleepy tie prototype was made. I'm using it every night. And basically I didn't really think anything of it other than I was thinking, yay for me. Like I don't have to do my hair oh, every I don't even, morning. Yeah. I don't think we were thinking like this was going to be a thing. No, I, we, no, we weren't thinking at all. Yeah. It wasn't like a thing. It just like, like I said, it organically happened. It organically solved a problem for me. And it was like genuinely something that 
I was happy to have just as a tool in the pandemic. Well, yeah, in the pandemic, but we all obviously were thinking we were getting out of the pandemic. Well, one day. Yeah. And or we didn't know thinking when. Thinking about those times where we were going places or doing things or events we had or during the week when we didn't have time to do I our hair. I don't know if I was in that headspace, I was. Carly. I don't think I was even thinking like that, that I wasn't thinking about like the future. I was just thinking about right then that like selfishly, I was glad my blow dry was going to last. But for me, I hate doing my hair. Like, yeah, we all like do. if I didn't ever have to do it, I wouldn't. Yeah, same. Truly. So at, I think about a month had gone by and in the pandemic and I was like, I like haven't done my hair in a while. And I was like really grateful for that. Yeah. And Sleepy Tie like was working. Sleepy Tie didn't have a name at that time. It wasn't like a named thing. After I'd used it for a month and Nicole had used it for a month, we kind of looked at each other and like you had been using it. And we were like, should we use this for other people, send this to, to other, other people. people. Yeah. So like I started to kind of like go to my confidants and people that I know and trust. And I kept making them and making them and making them and poking <laughs> my fingers and poking my fingers and learning how to sew. And I'm like, what the, what am I doing? But I had actually figured out really well how to construct it. And it was really cool to have done it myself personally. And then, you know, know how to make a perfect sleepy tie. And then after about a month, like I said, I was like, I think I have something on my hands here. And that's when I called an attorney. And that's when I was like, I think I need to patent this. I th think I've created something here. I mean, there was, n there's nothing in the market like it. Nothing had it's existed. A, it's a true invention. Like it, it's a true invention. Like for I, sure. even if you Google, like how to tie your hair when you sleep or anything like that, there's really nothing besides no, like the normal scrunchy. scrunchy. Yeah. Um, or a silk pillowcase, right. but like really that doesn't prolong or protect your hair when you're sleeping. Right. I've never heard of a healthy way to put your right. hair up when you're sleeping. Right. I, braids, stuff like that. But it was a niche market. I don't like when I wake up with braids in my hair. Well, then it's just like a, you're actually waiting for a style. Yeah. But with my hair too, like I would go to bed with braids and like I would wake up and the second they'd come out of the braids, any moisture that would le was left would cause frizz. Yeah. So it wasn't even an option for me. So anyways, I contacted an attorney and I was like, hi, like super naive. And I got a recommendation through a friend and I was like, hi, like, I think I created something. I think I need help. And honestly, like that was one of the first lessons in my whole entire journey yeah. of like inventing a product is, you know, we'll talk about this in a little bit, but like that first person you call that lawyer matters. Um, and also I would say I was, I always knew in business that you should be discreet. So I was super careful with who I talked about the product with. I think we're just always discreet in general because you never want to speak too soon. Yeah. The early stages were, um, you know, you have to be careful. And then basically I was like, Oh, all I, all I have is time on my hands in this pandemic. Let me form a business. And then obviously, obviously my brain started to go into entrepreneur mode and I'm like, I think I have something here. What could I name it? I think I'd come up with the name like sleepybun.com. Um, sleepy blow, sleepy, sleepy blow.com. Like, uh, <laughs> I had bought like 15 domains and I was like, I was spiraling like in a good way. We knew sleepy was a good word well, because, because it was for bed. Yeah. And I had made previous branding mistakes where the naming was off. Mm -hmm. And I was like, I really need to like name this properly so that when you look at this product, you know what it does yeah. before it, you know, I love before the you see it. So one random day after I had bought sleepy to bun, I was like, well, it's not just a bun. It's like, you know, to tie your hair. It's like a hair tie, but it's like four sleep, sleepy tie. Perfect. Um, and so I then copyrighted the name 
bought the domains. You know, these are, this is the steps I'm taking, like when all the other businesses are closed. And then I started to develop mood boards and I was like, what would I want this brand to feel like, to look like, you know, this is what I do for a living. I create brands, I create brand feelings and moods. So to do it for myself is something that's really organic. And I'm like sending these things to my team and they're like, what is happening over there? <laughs> like, what are you doing in your cave? But then they tried it too. And they were like, this yeah. is this is it. I was literally taking samples that I had given. So I started giving them to some of my master hairstylists. They were like really special because you had to, you had to physically make them. I had to make each so one. It we took like, me a day to make so we each were like, one. We don't have that many to give no, out. I had like a total of 15 <laughs> personally. So I yeah. was taking them and like giving it to someone for a few nights, sanitizing it and then giving it to somebody else. Like it was like hotcakes. I remember I dropped one off to Emily in my car and I like was too afraid to go near her because it was one like six COVID, feet apart. Yeah. I like had a mask on. I like threw it to her outside the window and was like, try this. I gave one to Andrea. I was like, don't tell anyone about this. Try this. And we gave them to everybody. And I'm like so sketchy and I'm just like, give it a go. Like they're like, what is, and then my master hairstylist who I trust more than anyone in the world. They loved it. We're like, what the hell is this? And then I'm like, shit, we need a lawyer. So, you know, we, went through the market testing. I think um, the first kind of thing to talk about here is that this is the story of Sleepy Tie. You know, the rest is history. We kind of you know went into branding and then we'll talk about like what happened next. But basically, first point you need to really recognize is that an invention solves a problem. And I don't think it's the kind of thing I, I hear a lot of people say to me, they're like, you know, you did it. You came up with that idea that like it's gonna get you rich quick. I'm like, you don't know what you're talking Not about. the point. Well, it wasn't the goal, yeah. you know, and it wasn't, you don't ever do something for money, right? Like I'm never like actively do that. You always have to have, you can do things because you know it will make you money. Like it can be a business, but you got to have the authenticity in your heart to that it became, that it solved a genuine problem. Yeah. I, I think a true invention solves a problem right. or enhances uh, your life. A, yeah. A, your life in some type right. of way. So for me... It, my first point of advice is like authenticity is key. And like, it should, I think the best stories of an entrepreneur and inventor come from, I did it for me. And then I realized other people needed it too. That organic invention that changes a life. Yeah. You don't want to invent just to invent something to say, I invented this product. Right. Right. But you see a lot of that. Like we were talking about shark tank earlier. Yeah. A lot of the sharks, like people think that they invented something or copied a different invention mm -hmm. and then they go on shark tank and they're like, this isn't going to sell or this isn't going to go well, anywhere. That's a really perfect kind of segue to the next point, because I think a lot of people, you have to be really careful, like with where you invest your money and you have mm -hmm. to be really smart when it comes to you know, this was my third business. It wasn't just like I was like coming out of thin air with this. I had experience in profit and loss sheets and investing and financial planning and different things like that. We tested the market and it wasn't like I just assumed this was an open market or this product was needed or that it was a niche. Your point is really valid because like we really took time months and 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 months after talking to the attorneys to market test. Does this work on this type of hair? Does it work for this? Does it actually affect this type of blow dry? Does it add curls? Does it add volume? Does it work for shorter hair? How, what's the length of hair it could work for? Like we went into an exploration phase where we were like, we need to answer these questions. Yeah. And we took our time. 
I think. Yeah. Like, well, we, we took a full year, I would say, to de- we just took to our, develop. We took our time to develop and we took our time to launch. Yeah. And make sure everything we had was the way we want it to be because quality is obviously super important to us. Right. And I think that should be a lesson for everybody, too. If you are going to invent something, you have to make sure you test it yourself for a long period of time. Well, yeah, because how your product stands the test of time is only something you can find out firsthand. And you need to be able to know that that information matters. So it's like, does the, is there a market for your product? Do you have the ability to fund this product? Because you can't just think, oh, I'm going to make my first batch and then, you know, it's going to all be beautiful roses falling on my head. Like it ha- there's bumps in the road in every business. So something I learned from what you said too, and what I've learned previously, if you can like give a proper elevator pitch and people understand what it's for. Yeah then I think you have something on your hands yeah. as like a little bit of a test because with our shop now, like when the reaction of explaining what sleepy tie is, like it makes sense to everybody. Well, yeah, the pop-up shop's a really interesting retail test because yeah. it was all an e-com brand and now we're speaking about it in person to people and it's like, does it make sense quickly? Yeah. Because no one knows what sleepy tie is still. So you don't it's have like, much time to make right. your consumer understand. Yeah. So it's, it's interesting. And to have done that market testing to go back to that, you will know like, isn't an open market. Yeah. So I think we've like checked off those boxes, you know, next I would say it's prototype, prototype, prototype. Yeah. So like after about six months of testing, I then was like, I'm not a professional sewer. I'm not good at what I'm not good at. Sewer, seamstress. I don't know the proper terms, but real respect for that industry because that's very difficult and very tedious. And so what I did is I put out a bunch of notices and I said, I'm looking for someone who, you know, is a professional at this, can you connect me? I was super discreet in my request. And basically after I did that, I I did that on social media. I then started networking and connected with like a bunch of people. Of course, my mom had the connection. (laughs) I shouldn't have even gone farther than Andrea Rubin. But basically she had a friend of a friend who professionally knew how to sew. And so I sat down with her and I always pay no matter what it even if I don't have like the funds yet in the business to pay, I, I you got to give credit where credit's due and you got to definitely pay people to do what they need to do in their expertise. So I offered this woman who is incredible to sit down with me and develop a better looking prototype that would be like not made by me. And um, I think that was a smart idea. Yeah. <laughs> so basically I employed her and I, I decided to invest my money personally, just in case anyone's wondering. I didn't, take the business money. I basically took my personal savings and was like, I'm going to invest into, you know, the materials and like this testing process for like however long it takes. I didn't have an end goal. Yeah. And you have to make sure you have the money to do that because it drains quick. Oh, it drains with what really you quick. have to buy. The thing is, is like, also you're in a trial and error phase. So the money that you need in this phase is sort of like toy money. So you have to be careful. Like I would never say you should use your life savings on like an, on an invention like this. I know that some people have success stories with that, but I would say that's probably, I don't like risky business. That's dangerous. Yeah. I don't like risk. I, I do everything very conservatively because I've seen obviously what it looks like to kind of move too quick. And so I did use my personal savings to go through this trial and error process and it was expensive. And, you know, I, I was lucky to be able to personally fund that. Um, I think some people had questions for me about like, 
how do you get the money to kind of start doing it? I think everybody's different. You can get angel investors or, you know, have a family member who can help you out. That wasn't the case for me personally. Um, I like a hundred percent ownership at the beginning and, you know, of course, like you can't get anywhere without your team. But for me, that was the path I chose. So we made this prototype with this wonderful woman. And then I kind of had her just keep making them. And basically what I did is I had her measure and time. That was my next focus. I was like, please time yourself from start to finish on making one. And then please measure every piece so that we can start to get some, uh, like a diagram. And this is just from business experience. I was like, how do we, we scale need data, this? Yeah. yeah, we need data. We need to analyze. So I have her do that for a month. And I am a stalker. Like I literally go to her apartment every day, like, and I drop off more materials and more hi. things. I pick up a bag of like two sleepy ties. <laughs> I'm like, hi, it's me. Like, can I have the sleepy ties? And, um, you know, so I start kind of like developing them and then we come up with a good measurement. We come up, it took her, I think it was like almost one to two hours to make one sleepy tie. Oh, and we were like- By hand. We, I think you called me and you were like, Carly, we only have like four. And I was like, Rachel- <laughs> We're at the end of the day. What are you talking yeah, about? Because like it's a handmade product. So I was like, I yeah. had, I didn't know anything about improving manufacturing or improving the prototype or improving the model or anything like that. You know, that come, that came with time for me. But so of course I go to my books and I'm like, okay, in this process, I'm reading, I'm reading, I'm reading about an invention. And I find all these books to be so dumb. They were the worst advice. Well, it's like, Start with the product. Is start with an idea. I'm like, oh, thanks. Like, have people try the product. I'm like, got it. Thanks. Check, check, check. So, like, I'm not getting anything from these books. So, per the theme of my life, we're gonna do it firsthand. Yeah. And um, so I just kind of like did trial and error, and then we ended up with a really nice prototype. And then I started to have some sleepy ties, which we were so grateful for her because she was actually really talented. Part of the journey. It's just this type of business, it can't be one, one person. person. Yeah. Well, at first I did, I didn't know what I had on my hands. And yeah. I was like, you can be the one who makes the sleepy ties. And I was like, so we'll have 10 a day. And well, the truth is we didn't think it was going to be this crazy. I we, mean, I always think that things will be successful. Absolutely. I didn't doubt it. I just didn't know it was going to be. My full faith was in revolution. In sleepy tie that people were going to love it, but it just wasn't like to the point where we had to mass produce yeah, it. Like literally. So, okay. We did the market testing. We did the investing. We found the funds. We swallowed the pill of like this money might go in the trash. Like who knows? Like you had to kind of be open to that. We had the lawyer on deck and we had the prototype from like a more professional seamstress and we're in a good place. And then basically things needed to kind of go to the next step. Yeah. And that's where I started doing what I do, which is marketing. And, you know, like I, I'm the director of marketing of all three of our brands. And for me, it was all about the secret, you know, we, people the secret. loved the secret. I went on my social media every day and was like, I have a secret. I have a secret. I have a secret. I remember one of my friends was like, all right, with the secret, shut up. Agreed. <laughs> like, okay, but it's working. And so we created a hype and a hype and a hype. And basically it got to the point where I was like, I think like, People need to know about this product. I need to create a business around it. I'm going to use my creative agency while we're closed to do this. And, um, well, you can't have the product without that. Well, you can't have any brand yeah, without the it branding. Just, <laughs> it, I think sometimes like people focus on the product and making it perfect and all of those things. And I think 
when you're making something, you also have to have a marketing plan alongside of it. You can't just make a product and think people are going to buy it. Well, I would say you have to be careful with who you partner with too, like in these phases in your investment, like you should buyer beware. Like you should never go with a firm that says they can like manufacture, build a prototype and market it. You got to have people in your team who stay in their lane. So I would say big red flag is someone who says like, we can take your invention and like bring it to market. Like, you cannot just, like Carly's saying, invest in the prototype and the, the item and then not understand the branding, the, the target audience, the voice of the product, like who you're trying to get it to. Like it goes, they're equally important. Brand discovery is super important. I would say with all three of our brands. Oh my God, yeah. And especially with Sleepy Tie because it was new. Can you elaborate on what you mean by that so people can understand? Yeah, you have to be able to speak about your brand to a specific audience and you have to have other people understand who you're targeting. Say our social media manager. I always try to look at it that way where I'm like, can I explain this brand to my social media manager and have her understand everything I understand about it. And can your social media manager show it to to the the public? Yeah. And if you don't have a direct plan for that, if you don't have direct data from that, it's, it's hard to bring your product to life. Right. Well, and to kind of like take that a step further, we own a creative agency, right? right? And what we do for other brands is we take them under our wing and we do for them what we do for ourselves. And the thing is about Parlor Brand Studio and the work we do is like, you can't just make aimless content. You can't just make a shitty commercial. Targeted, targeted, targeted. but also high quality. If your brand, you know, I think the reason Sleepy Tie was such an immediate success is because you take the combination of the background of Parlor, my background in hair, your background in hair, our background in working with master hairstylists and that experience. And then you combine that, have sex with Parlor Brand Studio, and then they have a baby. What you have there is an accredited invention that had an incredible brand. And so it's not to be underestimated that the investment was not just in the product. The investment was in what does the website look like? What does the logo look like? How does the brand feel? How does the brand feel? What emotions does it evoke? Does the logo speak to the audience I want them to speak to, like you were saying, you know, and did I do the research on that? Like, there's a lot of steps and you have to have the patience. And I would say like this, I don't believe in side hustles. I made sure that this was like a primary focus of me, of mine, like during, you know, when we reopened, I still made sure I believed in it fully and put my attention towards Sleepy Tie. But when we launched, the reason I think we sold out at pre-sale was because we had the branding plus the product plus the backup of the already existing audience. And, you know, you and I sat there with the team on going live with pre-sale to test how many orders we would get before we even had, you know, all the manufacturing and everything to see, like, would people be interested in this? And I think it was an explosion. Oh, it was amazing. We sat there on a snow I day, was like February 2nd. Literally on a snow day. It's yeah. so funny that we were home that day. Um, and I just was like, I, w- I was emotional because I was like, oh my God, all of this work, we believed in this. We did everything right. And yeah. and people understood and saw our vision and understand what and the product was. In us. Yeah, and I, I think... Well, that's a huge part of it too. The support that we got from people. Yeah, oh my God. I mean, it was astronomical. That's a theme of our entire career. Yeah. Well, also, I think the authenticity of it and like the trust that you have as part of your brand. But when we went live at pre-sale, we were sitting there February 2nd, 2021, in the snow storm, watching the sales come in. And I remember being 
so emotional. It was yeah. just like, holy shit, like this is a crazy reaction. And I think one thing you said that I really resonate with is that has been a theme of my whole life is you have to believe in it before other people do wholeheartedly. And for me, that belief comes from data. It doesn't come from like the air. It's not woo-woo. It's not a woo-woo belief. I might be woo-woo, but my belief in business is not woo-woo. I I support that a hundred percent. I know you do. My logical bestie. And I, and that's what I was saying too about brand discovery is like, you have to like put it out there. It has to make sense before you put it out there, but then you have to back it up with your theory with data. So you try it out for, I don't know, six months, even four months and see like, Who's buying it? What age range is buying it? Where they're buying it? And we did everything conservatively. Now, I know a lot of people have questions about manufacturing. Where is Sleepy Time manufactured? How did you do this? We have a few manufacturers because we don't believe in putting all your eggs in one basket. I would say you need to be careful. Like I said, be careful going through a third party who can connect you with a manufacturer. We at first did that and... Uh, it did not end well um, because I think people can put their margins into your like structure of building a product and that's not healthy for a, a brand, especially if your product's under $30. Yeah, with this type of business, I think people get greedy. Definitely. And like there's a lot you don't know at the beginning. So I would say like the way to find a manufacturer is research. That's the only thing I can tell you. It's easy to be naive with this type of thing because you probably haven't invented something before. Right. And if you have, you already have your manufacturer. Right, right. So the only thing I can tell you, I know it's not super, super helpful, but it's like you just got to do the groundwork. You you know, I've heard people who just fly to a different country and go on the boots on the ground and go in space to space and talk to people just like anything else in business. You know, there's no magical button. And if it there is a magical button presented to you, don't fucking push it. Buyer beware. Yeah, like don't push it. <laughs> we pushed it once and it was like, no, like we pushed the wrong button. But we learned, you know, and I think like from a manufacturing perspective, the best thing I can tell you is, Think about the ethics. Make sure that like whoever's manufacturing your product is not like enforcing child labor, that they're, you know, conscious of the climate, that they understand your process and your timelines and your goals and that your your quality concerns. Um, the only thing I can tell you is it's and making an invention is making a business. So like my background in business, your background in business helped us to make this a quick success. I think people look at it and I think they look at Sleepy Tie, you know, it's only been around at this point for, at this point it will be almost two years, but like that has been three years in development because it will be 2020 that I first made the first Sleepy Tie. So if you think about that, no, it was not an overnight success and you know, it took a lot of time and trial and error. I would say, you know, at that point when you have the manufacturer and you have like, then you have to now invest again. And that's the investing where it's never tough. stops. I think it's bootstrapped. Yeah, you got to keep on rolling, especially with your marketing, especially Definitely. with your marketing. Definitely. You have to have enough money to invest in both and you have to have enough money to project into three years. I would say like, you can't just think, oh, I have it enough for right now maybe I'll get through the year. That's how businesses fail. That's why 97% of businesses fail in their first year. Right. So you got to think ahead. You have to have vision and you got to know business. You can't just be like, I'm going to be that person that's going to make millions and go on Shark Tank and blah, 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 blah. Because also the other thing about Shark Tank is when you go on there, you're giving up 20% of your brand. And they're going to eat you alive. That's why we're we're stepping 
like we're taking the steps beforehand to be like, make sure your product makes sense. And what they like to hear, what were your sales in your first year? Yeah. They want to know the what data, were your the sales numbers, numbers in the don't first lie. year. Exactly. Are you paying yourself? Those are questions that they ask. Right. And if you're saying no, 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 no. And within that year, you're not ter- making a profit. You're not a business. You're not a business. So it's like, you gotta know business. And I would say that's something that's super important because you'll get really taken advantage of in contracts in every corner. And I would say a lesson I think we learned is the people that you work with to exude your core values. Definitely. Honesty is number one. Communication, number one. And if those people that you're working with aren't giving that back to you, that should be a red flag to you. Well, I think what you bring up too is partners. Like you have to be really careful in the invention process of who you partner with. Let's say you're not good at business or you don't have experience in business. You do need to bring people on and invest in people too. You know, people need to be a part of your journey, you can't do anything alone, but they also need to be people you really trust. Don't ever be the business woman or man that falls for the magic button or the person who says, I've been this, I've done that, I'm worth this, like the weight loss pill. Do you, yeah, literally. Do your research and make sure you you know who you're talking to. Make sure you're not just going off of a piece of paper on their resume. There's deception everywhere. You really need to know who you're bringing in. And I will say- one of the most important things that matters in the whole process of an invention is your legal team. And I had to learn the hard way that I definitely did not have the right legal team on my side at first. Um, and I had and to too make, much time spent oh, trying to figure that out. I, in the past, you know, I have great legal teams, but I didn't realize how much an IP attorney, which, you know, a patent attorney, I think it's just a different type of business. It is totally different, but like you need an attorney who is invested in you, who understands you. And also it's not just paperwork they're signing. Like I thought a patent was just like, here's the product. This is it. Like, give me my Approve patent. Us. Yeah. <laughs> it's their strategy to it. The way it's worded, the way it's drawn, the way it's submitted, the way it's examined, the way it's contested, the way it's, con- it's spoken about. Well, that's why the start of it again, is so important because there's so many different types of products out there Mm -hmm. that people invent that are similar to already invented products. Right. With Sleepy Tie, it's different. Yeah. You got to, well, it is and it's not because there's things in the market that like maybe once looked like it from a patent perspective, but don't do the same thing. Right. And you need an attorney who knows how to say this is not the same thing in like legal jargon. Be able to fight it. Right. And that you got to know what you're not good at. People were like, you can do that yourself. I'm like, I can't do that myself. And I really do need a strong lawyer. And when I realized my lawyer wasn't strong, I made the switch. And I will say too, like along the way, like you can't just blindly trust everybody. There was people who I let in at certain points that like, I wished I didn't have certain conversations with. And I think it's, again, it's a closed off game of trust. And in regards to like, if you think you have an idea or you think you have a product, you need to know you have the money to invest. And if you don't know about business, you need to have a partner who does. And take the time to learn. Yeah. Take the time to learn, to educate yourself. Don't, I just hate people and things when they talk about sleepy time, when they're like, everything's a get rich quick scheme. Like I've been, but you barely make a dollar off of the first few years of a business. Well, in parlor brand studio, a lot of people will come to us and be like, I want to be like sleepy tie. Right. I want to be sleepy tie. How did you create sleepy tie? A lot of hard work and hours. Yeah. And, 
And I think it's do, I do think it's doable for other people. Like I think it's super possible. It's just, you have to recognize the work you didn't see. And ideas though, that come from the business owner, what do, who do you want to reach and why do you want to reach them? Right. And where do you want to invest? And what do you want your brand to look like? Yeah. I think it's just a combo of all those things. And like, who's your team? Where are you placing your money to make the best move? Business is chess, right? Like every person you invest in is chess. Like going out on the limb and, and I would say risk and investment is something that's always been a theme of my career is like, if there's not big risk, there's no big gain. So I think all in all, you know, sleepy tie has been a journey. We're coming up on two full years of being open to the public only since Mm pre-sale, not even two years. If you're counting from when we first like had our manufacturer and launched and it's been a real big success. And I would say just to top all of that off, you know, social media has been a real help in getting the word out there about TikTok. our product. TikTok is has so been funny. amazing. We literally launched in like the era of when TikTok was yeah. happening. So I wonder what it'd have been like without it. Who knows? I mean, I think because it was such a concept, it, right. like, it took wildfire, but you know, just in general, I think sleepy tight is what it is today because of our team, because of the chess moves we made and because of the people we surround ourselves with and, you know, a great organic idea that sprouted, sprouted it all. And we're still learning every day and still growing. And it's, you know, like we're bootstrapping the company too. So like, no, there's no hidden investor. It's just me, <laughs> you know, taking and me on per- the side. And you always, but like, I mean, financially personal yeah. savings is what's fueling the company. And so I'm going to, I intend to keep it that way for a while and I'm excited about it. So thank you for listening. I hope if you know, you have like a really great idea that this was helpful or informative and, um, we're really excited to see where sleepy tie goes. And if you're someone who supported the brand, may I just end this podcast with saying, thank you. Thank you. It would have gotten nowhere without your blind support and trust. So don't get discouraged if you're on that journey. Yeah. We're here for you. We love you. Love you. Namaste. Have a beautiful, beautiful day. Over and out. I hate when you do that. I just think it's funny. <laughs> <laughs>